0: Peace, y'all. You were listening to Infinite Rewind by YFC, your favorite color. PETA,
1: that's like the uh, animal organization, animal rights organization, put forth a memo for officially requesting Major League Baseball to rename the bullpen the Arm Barn. So call that's it so the Arm yo. Barn because bullpen is insensitive to cows and bulls.
0: That's so that's ridiculous,
1: y'all. You heard like, that? What right are we bro?
0: coming to, y'all?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Wow. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was something that, like, when I first heard it on the radio, I was like, "That's gotta be a joke."
0: I guess they must have asked somehow, communicated with the bulls and the cows, and they had some sort of dialogue that they told the humans, like, "Hey, that's very insensitive, right?" That must be it. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. We have cow whisperers. I love the idea of a of a cow conference. bunch of cows tuxedos sitting around there's like workshops and networking events and shit and like the keynote speaker is like the the cow yeah passing around chocolate passing around chocolate milk and shit yeah (laughs) there's like a cow godfather he's like an old old g like he doesn't have any milk anymore He just like (laughs) he has a bunch of kids that have milk oh my goodness the arm barn that's ridiculous yeah
1: It is. Yeah. I was shocked.
2: That's wild. I bet there's so many other things that they could also, like, go after that we name after animals. Insensitive to cows.
0: Yeah. You know, I I understand the renaming of the Cleveland Indians or, like, the Washington Redskins. It was time to go. I understand that. Yeah, I'm with it. But come on, bro. The
2: bullpen... Nah, you <laughs> wild. Nitpicking, right?
0: No, nah, that's too much, yo.
2: Yeah, that's like quarantine. You just get mad over anything. Like, <laughs> I'm changing all the door handles. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, A
1: set of balls on on PETA. I can't believe it. Right before game three, they sent the memo. Anyways, I just that that wasn't the mayonnaise thing. That's just something else I wanted <laughs> to just bring up. Is that your So story? I would, I would like to. Say, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'm going to reserve this thought. It's Go related on. to the review, so I'm going to say. What you got what, you got? what you got? What you got? No, no, no I, I was just going to say I had a really, I had a great time reviewing this album. Never listened to it. Familiar with a couple songs. Hey. Yeah, just, just like, just in passing, like briefly in passing. But a lot of what I'm familiar with is Devin singing and rapping it, or just like you know, like <laughs> pulling verses randomly over the last like five years just mm. being around her That's so now funny. it's like oh shit i've heard that before oh this is where it's from uh, so i had yeah. those connections and also i got to listen to it for really the first time that we actually jointly listened to an album together
0: oh because i
1: usually have i just go off in my own deep end and every day i'm listening to something different and um well she'll sit there and listen She's an intently listening like i am so this was cool and she called me yesterday she's like i think i understand what this means and I, I won't spoil all of it because we'll probably discuss it but yeah it for really, sure. it was
0: really cool it was, it was yeah it was cool did you guys watch any of the videos
1: so no we didn't i didn't know there was a video i mean i watched the video that you sent the, to the group this morning yeah. but i didn't watch the 60 minutes flick
0: yeah. i just watched it like Three hours ago, I uh, re-signed up for title. I was like, I gotta watch this shit. <laughs> Dope. Yeah, so let's uh, yeah, let's kick it out. Let's let's uh, kick it off. That's actually a very good place to start, Libby. But uh, yeah, so episode twenty-eight, I believe. Yeah, boy. Episode twenty-eight. How do you 28 say twenty-eight in Spanish? 28. Mm-hmm. Episodio número 28, papi. Así que estamos. Yeah, so here we are, episode 28 of Infinite Rewind. Uh, I'm your humble host for this evening. Uh, my name is Algo. I'm joined by my brothers uh, <laughs> Bravado Benjamin and, and Luscious Libby. Uh, the last week in Change, we've been listening to Beyonce's 2016 release, Lemonade. Uh, Beyonce. You know, stemming off of a uh, long career. Previously, she was a lead singer for Destiny's Child. Uh, this album is her most acclaimed studio album in her solo career. It's her sixth studio album as a solo artist. Uh, the album contains production by Diplo, Just Blaze, Mike Dean, Boy, Mike Will Made It, and Beyonce herself who from what I read kind of served as like an executive producer in the project where she was involved in the creative process and saying, I don't like this. Um, I do like this. Let's try this, but this other way. So she was very, very hands-on kind of, uh, Marvin Gaye ish, if you will. Uh, the, the song, the album had a bunch of writers over 20 writers. Um, it ultimately got two Grammys, eight VMAs, um, what I thought was pretty cool is that the recording process started in California, and then after a break, uh, they took a trip to Paris, um, and Jay-Z was in his own studio, and Beyonce had her own studio, which um, a majority of Beyonce's album, Lemonade, was made during those sessions in Paris. So yeah, released in 20, 000, uh, 2016, let's uh, let, let's start talking about, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, Libby. But what what is Beyoncé to you guys? Who is Beyoncé to you guys, uh, you know, as of today after listening to this album? How do you categorize her? What do you appreciate about her and so forth?
2: Yeah, man, I am so excited to review this album. Um, not necessarily for, like, the strength of my score because I think that's something that's completely different. I just love the fact that we're listening to someone whose impact is so much bigger than just like sonic notes on a piece of paper. Like Beyonce's influence, like it it goes outside of music. Like it shapes culture. It shapes the way people talk, the way people dress, the way like people think about themselves. Like the beehive, like is a real thing. Like the beehive is a fictional thing that exists in the unit. Like I've met women that are like, yo, this, this lady that I'm talking to right now will will take a bullet for Beyonce. Like, that's some, like, Michael Jackson type of shit. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, Beyonce's fandom is incredible. <clears throat> and you throw all that on top of the fact that she's also married to arguably the best rapper of all time. So they have this, like, universe of stardom and creativity and skill. And Beyonce is just, she's so big, man. It's It's incredible what she's been able to accomplish um and continues to accomplish so yeah beyonce to me is is larger than music
1: uh beyonce to me is a just a drop dead gorgeous beautiful um just top of the line top of the shelf like just a trip just a tremendous piece of work i i just just think that she's like a, i, almost, I want to call her a rock star um but i don't know i think that's too limiting she's she's beyond that i think she's world she's world class um in her just in her approach her music her reach um yeah I, it, it's it's an overwhelming uh it's an overwhelming album uh in a positive sense uh walking into it you know it's just like with everything that we review um if you already have like a you have like some some preconceived notion unless you're just walking into something completely blind like when we went through our genres um a few things were just like i have no idea what we're getting ourselves into and i came out on the other side like totally a different listener um so i actually with beyonce it's like oh here's a pop star that people are obsessed about she's gorgeous is it, you know, media hype? Like, you know, you don't, I'm not, I don't ever believe that, but like, you just, you know, you am going to try to approach it with as clean a slate and and not think like, just take it for what it is, you know, and and, and develop your own opinion, right? <laughs> and um, man, I mean, she's everything she's made out to be and, and more. Um, yeah, it, she's a modern day, I mean, she's a superstar. That's really all, all there is, and even that just seems limiting. When I say it,
0: well, yeah, for me, Beyonce for a very long time has just been like this level of excellence, and perfectionism. You know, she she is the full package. You know, when you're talking about an artist, that's like a uh, you know full package that can sing. She sings extremely soulfully which I feel like maybe we, we we caught some glimpses of her soulfulness in the voice in maybe a couple of the songs on this album. But uh, generally speaking, she sings very soulfully. And, like, she sings, like, from her stomach. And you can feel it, like, with every cell in her body. But she dances like crazy. Like, she's, like, on point. There are not many artists that are on that level of Janet Jackson where they could be singing and doing full freaking choreographed dance moves at the same time, you know packing stadiums like her and jay-z have gone on tours where they played Justin stadiums like <clears throat> and she has always been this meticulous artist i love i've mentioned this but i love hearing first-hand recountments or first-hand uh, uh stories of other people and i've heard various stories of beyonce in her creative um element and she's like very meticulous and like she's all about trial and error and you know she and she's always looking to expand and and create something that's as close to perfect and prestigious as possible so for me beyonce has always been this like level of excellence and on top of that like she's in in a few ways she's like very tied tied to my childhood because like i had the biggest crush on on beyonce but also my mom for literally like 10 years had a beyonce song as her cell phone ringtone back when like sprint was like the first one that had like ringtones in like 2000 yeah, yeah, like, yeah. from from that, literally for like eight, nine, ten years, she had this song with Beyoncé as a ringtone. So every time I hear Beyoncé, it's like a nostalgic feel to it. Irreplaceable? No, it was oh. actually the song with Sean Paul. Baby boy, you say on oh, my <laughs> mind Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. Level of excellence. Yeah, she's, she's on that Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson like, full package level. But um, yeah, let's let's, uh, let's peel the layers back of, of, of the project itself. Uh, lemonade, you know, turning lemon to lemonade, if you will. Um, you know, it, after watching the videos, it's a little more clear that the album is divvied up through a bunch of different chapters. Um, it starts with intuition, then denial, anger, apathy, emptiness, accountability, reformation, forgiveness, resurrection, hope, and ending in redemption. So let's talk about uh as you guys were listening to the album t- tell me about how it felt as an experience the the and the direction the uh theme of the album
1: uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was like um yeah, they were like chapters, you know um it was some songs were angrier than others in tone and message, um like frustration, but it, it wasn't like you know it wasn't a hate album. Uh, which is what I kind of expect. It was kind of what I expected. Um, it was, you know, I didn't know this, to, you know, that she had actually labeled them. And I think it says ties to the movie. Um, it's from what I read, but each song without knowing that now, after listening to the 12 songs or so, um, you know there's a direct line uh from piece of music to that one word describing the feeling the the theme of that song um the direct line and I didn't, I didn't get lost in that i i just it helped clear things up it was just like just kind of putting a label on it but i was like yeah I totally agree that that was the message um so as far as clarity and communicating thought and and purpose and art i uh give her a fucking gold star i thought she nailed it there's the feel was there right from the beginning um in each of her songs it was well labeled and well well put um and yeah it wasn't uh, to me it wasn't like um an overly saturated piece i mean it wasn't 12, 12 songs one hour long of hate music it was up and down real life stuff real emotions uh you know second-guessing, regret, anger, um, you know, forgiveness, working your way to just letting it go, um, you know, and become, coming at, coming, you know, persevering through the struggle, uh, and coming out a better person on the other side, you know, it was really what I took away. I took it as a very personal piece, I, you know, um. It wasn't until really till afterwards when I went back and started reading some lyrics and actually reading more about her part- her point of view on the message that it was actually something much bigger. The goal was bigger. And then it all started to make even more sense. It was like the gift that kept on giving. But my initial reaction was, this is an intensely personal piece, um, really like well communicated from start to finish, um, which... As an artist i mean' there's, there's art make keeping people guessing for sure it's you know, it 's a way to just keep them coming back and wondering or leaving and wondering why and keeping them thinking about it. I mean, she did it in a way that like this is how I feel, and people are still talking about it you know couldn 't be more clear um,
2: but yeah, it was pretty cool, yeah, when we communicate as artists, um, we take emotions and we put them into you know, palatable sonic experiences. And what makes them usually enjoyable is if people can feel a connection to what we're doing, right? Like if someone is ripping a solo, you can kind of follow the solo and feel the highs and the lows. If someone is dropping a beautiful 16, you can kind of like feel the image that they're painting. Um, One of the major successes of this album is that the, the, the theme and the through line is pretty easy to determine, right, that she's talking about this infidelity, she's talking about how it affects her personally. Um, so I feel like that part of it is kind of easy to access. There's a layer deeper and a layer above it that I would love for us to explore. Let's talk about just sonically what she does successfully. She's able to weave through so many different types of genres of music but still keep it all feeling very cohesive and relative to the emotion she's trying to uh, display. Like, to me, one of the best examples of that is on the song, um, Don't Hurt Yourself, that features Jack White. I think it might be the second or the third verse, but like she screams in a way that like matches the power of the electric guitar in a very rock-centered like centered type of song, which Beyonce's not a rock artist in terms of like rock the genre, but to me, like, she took that emotion and she was able to, like, finesse it into that sonic background and, like, make it actually work. But then the next song, Sorry, is, like, very trapped and, like, something you would, like, twerk to. And, like, Six Inch Heels" is very much that feel. That's what she's going on in that album. And then Daddy Lessons is, like, a country hip-hop track, too. So t- to me, one of the most beautiful successes of this album is she's able to, like, explore all the different colors of a kaleidoscope, but still point you in this singular direction of, I'm exploring the emotional catastrophe and rebuilding of having your husband have a threesome with someone less cool than Beyonce.
0: Word, yeah, all very valid points. And yeah, Beyonce's a a magician at at doing that, right? How she can almost make you experience what she's going through firsthand and if you think about what she went through and and the vulnerability for her to be this like see-through and you know and be this uh you know just throwing all your uh dirty laundry out you know what i think is dope is how this is a way of especially stars like them star couples like them it's 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 easy for the media to spin shit out of control. So I think it's dope as hell that she, with this album, I feel, <clears throat> she took control of the narrative of the issue between her and, and Jay-Z essentially because she was direct about it. She told her story, her perspective. So it, it was it couldn't be manipulated outside of their circle. So I thought <clears throat> that was dope as hell. Um, and yeah, she definitely is great at... at uh, bouncing around the different types of genres i love i love don't hurt yourself is probably one of my favorite songs on this album and think think about how dope it would be if beyonce focused on a project of that level that kind of energy
2: that kind of rock hard edgy that would be phenomenal i don't know i don't think it would work i think what makes that song work is that like it's it's just like an instance of who she is you know it's kind of like if someone's quiet all the time and then one day they flip out and throw a table, you're like, yo, someone must've farted in that dude's lunch. Like, she's not always given that type of energy. So to me, like, that stood out so much. I don't know if I could do a full 50 minutes of that.
0: Oh boy, let me tell you, you're probably on a very short list of people that would not want to hear that. (laughs) One opera, Uh, Beyonce, hardcore rock. I I can guarantee you that would be a success for her.
1: I'm I'm sure it'll be successful. I just, Mm. I don't know. I I have to agree with Ben. I might like, I might've liked like a second rock track in there somewhere. Um, But I really enjoyed the glimpse. She's just uber talented. And yeah, to be able to just flex her, you know, finesse muscles like the way she did and just go in and out of genres like that. I mean, that song is, is aggressive and it's just aggressive because it's like chaotic, you know, Jack White's got a very distinct, uh unique sound about him that is hit or miss with me most times and this it just this song hit um and she just fucking takes it to a completely different level um she's the show and he's you know he's he's normally the show whenever jack white's on a track and um yeah but i don't know if i could do 50 minutes of of that sound maybe it's just like Fifty minutes of just jack white sound would would not work i I'd love to hear it collaborate with other artists that'd be pretty cool
0: yeah um, I, I- guess for me yo I don't know what it is about don't hurt yourself, but every time I heard it, I would always make a stank face. I would always listen to it like, <laughs> like you know so that, i i i feel, i feel like that feeling for me continuously would be something I would appreciate, huh. but that's just me
1: yeah
0: um but yeah let, let's uh i'll transition to, into my uh one of my more main points in a second, but I do want to touch on this is the use of eight oh eight kicks on this album mm-hmm. what i want to talk about is uh what we feel about first off eight oh eight kicks because when you have an eight oh eight kick there's not much room for you to have a bass, uh actual bass line or something else that's filling up like that lower spectrum so uh, what I wanted to uh uh, ask you guys is, does the 808 kick take away from you as far as a composition, or would you rather hear the more live um, bass as opposed to a, yeah. essentially a synthetic bass? Because the, the 808 kick is super prominent on this album, and I don't know if it jumped out to you guys at all.
1: Can you give me an instant?
2: Now uh, you mention it, <clears throat> it the, you, the 808 doesn't jump out to me when it's prevalent but if there's a lot of basslines happening, I usually end up thinking like, yeah, there's no hit or wait here. It's, it's more I used to think about it as like something that is missing, that's too much. Um, I guess I've been listening to so much hip hop for so long that to me, it can be almost anonymous to, to hip hop. So when it does come on, I, to me, it's like it's part of the recipe usually. And I think since hip hop usually has a lot of rapping, which is essentially like a rhythm section in and of itself, And bass lines, if they're really intricate, kind of perform the rhythm. I never really feel like, oh man, I wish there wasn't an 808 here. I wish it was more of like uh, authentic bass here. Because there's there's so much else happening. If it's just an 808 and not a lot of else going on, then I guess you can kind of miss it. But um, no, man, I, I, I I thought it helped the tracks have bounce and have depth. And I never felt like it was either too much or that it was like getting in the way of a potential great baseline. Word.
1: I have no I really don't have any comment on it. I, I think it's uh I thought the arrangements were great. I thought the low end was fine. What you know. I thought yeah, I'm not a trap guy, um, but everything was just meticulously arranged. Yeah, I th- I just thought everything fell together really nicely. So,
0: yeah,
2: that might have been a nerdy question. That might have been a nerdy producer question to ask.
0: Well, what do you think? Enlighten <laughs> us.
2: What what was the 808s relationship to the instrument <laughs>
0: album for you? Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like I like I think that it's done tastefully. If it was, so my thing with 808s is that I feel like you can't, unless it's the right producer, unless you're doing it properly pitch bends and bass lines by uh bass guitar and you know just uh more a more intricate bass line for me I, I always I'm always drawn to that. So I feel like a live bass in many cases is a better alternative. But I think that they they the producers on this album, they were able to use the 808 kick effectively because there are a bunch of pitch bends and there's there's a little more grooviness to the 808 kicks is not just like a basic 808 kick but you know that was just you know one of those nerdy questions that was more nerdy. yeah but
2: the thing is and this is something that i think i realized too late into my music listening career is that um 808s weren't always pitched that like for some period of time in hip-hop like usually 808s had a very consistent uh note when they came into songs i right. feel like only really like in the last like 10-ish years probably since like Little Wayne's a Millie, that Bruce started to like, change the notes on an 808, like throughout songs. So to me, that's when the 808 uses gets interesting when it's more like, okay, the first is in a C and then I'm gonna put the 808 at an E flat and then I'm gonna drop it to an F right. versus just having, you know, the Fruity Loops have the same note for the 808. That's when it's kind of like boring and not interesting. But I think if you change the pitch on the 808, you could definitely make something that's like similarly as um interesting as uh authentic bass line.
0: yeah, agreed, yeah, a lot of our favorite nineties hip hop songs, the bass is way out of key, dude, yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting, but um, yeah let's uh let's talk about low lights highlights um what what did you guys love about this album, what did you guys dislike about the album
1: um I really enjoyed um the song freedom this is towards the end of the album um it was definitely a highlight for me i think overall i think the highlights were just her spread of like the way she was each song was different than the other than the next one i think of you know the country americana song was at first kind of didn't sink into like didn't sit well with me just just because I was like oh ooh, I don't know if this is strong here but the second <laughs> and third time I listened to it I was like actually yeah move it's...
2: your thumb son okay huh? <laughs> oh
1: sorry what <laughs> about uh... it didn't
2: you like Libby? did you did
0: you feel that it was like not authentic or
1: no I well it just was kind of like I don't know like um biting into something uh like sour and you're like whoa. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. But then you're like, well, actually, I really like Sour Candy. I'm like, this is really good, you know. So, but, like, it, it was just the initial shock of it was like, oh, this is just so out of the ordinary um, the first time around. And, you know, it's just weird, right? Just, like, the Jack White song is definitely not, a not, uh, you know, Traditional, I guess. I don't know. Not that I really know Beyonce's music that well, but it's not as pop- it's not poppy. It's not like boom radio hit. Um, or maybe it is, but to me, it just didn't sound like it would be. I don't know. Jack Jack White's music's like really obscure uh, to me, at least. Um, but it's like it's like jumping into an ice ice bath. Um, but um, no, I, I, sorry. So the like the high point of the album was really the the real intimate personal story and the way that she broke it up and how it was delivered from, you know, intuition to denial, to anger, you know, and even the, the song hold up is like, I think, I believe that's the denial song. It's just the way that the music's like it, counter to the video where she's destroying shit. Uh, at least the music just makes you feel like she's kind of like, whoa, hold on, wait, what? Like, it hasn't, like, fully sunk in yet because it actually has, like, an uplifting, like, quality to her appearance. Um, You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, she gets fucking angry on sorry. Like, really angry. And it's all just natural reactions. Like, easy to follow along, along, um, you know. It's just, I don't know, compare it to the first Star Wars movie. Um, A New Hope. Imagine if George Lucas got his way and had Luke Skywalker was some alien. And most of these characters were aliens that had like multiple arms and legs. And you as the audience would have a really tough time trying to relate to these alien people. Right? You relate to Luke Skywalker, the human, because he's a human. Same thing with Princess Leia. They're all like, you know, damsel in distress, rogue, you know, dashing rogue and, you know, man on a quest. Like all relatable, palatable stories, easy things to follow is what I'm trying to point that I'm making. Gay robots. All of it is just like real life things. And you're able to start at point A and end at point Z following an easy narrative she doesn't you don't get lost in her song except for her formation that just that one just seemed to be completely out of whack but that's when I started to realize that the story that there was a deeper theme or her her push was a more social push and that 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 made sense to me but abundantly clear throughout this whole album is a, is a is a journey through emotions of a of the woman that was <coughs> hurt by her loved one and um that more than any album that we've listened to so far um other than the amy winehouse album was like all right this is a very clear theme and easy to follow like it's a good you know just it's just basically handed to you and uh the music's great it's very well it's like as if the theme was the canvas and the music's filled around it normally it's the music's it's the canvas and then the story's just told on top of it this was this was the opposite and it clicked it worked really well for me. Just, yeah, just a low, I guess low moment was probably, um, I don't know. I don't really have too many. I mean, I kind of like some songs just didn't resonate with me. But that's the thing that's like, like when you take some instrumentation out of it, like raw instrumentation and you just kind of like throw in beats and, and more like electronic stuff. You it, 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 it think you, you know you're looking to hold on to something as a listener sometimes and if the hook doesn't get you then you're kind of just lost and almost waiting for the song to end so i feel like that happened on a couple really just one i I really didn't care for formation to be honest with you um yeah i don't know i just i think i trailed away on a few uh, what album?
2: yo if he fucked me good i'd take his ass to red lobster yo amy winehouse would have stood up and chugged a. Whole bottle of 151 to that line. That (laughs) was uh, amazing, man. Oh my goodness! Like, I think formation can arguably be like the centerpiece of this whole story here, man. Like, so much. And this is a a different. This, you know, earlier I talked about there's like the theme of what she's talking about, and then above it is kind of the Mm -hmm. instrumentation. And there's this like sub theme to it that I really want to explore because. I, I got, like, hints of it here and there, and I am I think a, a potential low point for me is how effective she was at, like, weaving in that sub-theme. So, obviously, the main theme is the infidelity and, like, how she's bouncing back from all that. And then there seems to be this other theme below it of, like, her almost tapping into the fact that, like, she needs to forgive her husband to... Mm break up some type of like, I don't want to say generational, I think it's deeper than that, like yeah. uh long history of black people thing. And I'm curious, like how that resonated with you all, because I can see bits and pieces of it through like sprinkled throughout. Because um, yeah, ultimately, like she forgave him and stayed with him even after the infidelity. So the question in my mind is like, what moved her to be like? yeah, I'm not going to get the divorce. Like...
0: Yeah, so that's interesting you posed this, Benjamin, because one of my main topics was not necessarily a question, but it was more so, you know, this is what, what do we think about this? And it's the following. You and I, Benjamin, have actually talked about this in the past. And let me just tell you, there's maybe a can of worms that'll blow this conversation over for an additional 30 minutes. <laughs> and that is, um, you and I, Benjamin, have talked in the past about having fantastic mothers,
1: Mm.
0: and how that affects us in ways that we were maybe not aware of in the past Uh, so in Beyonce's case I wasn't aware of this until I watched the film that's uh, uh, about the album Um, but essentially her father was he cheated on uh, her mom on Beyonce's mom Mm -hmm. and she forgave him Uh, but even though her dad cheated on her mom he was a fantastic father he was always there you know, uh, one of the lyrics um, on on the song about uh, Daddy's song, something like that. What is it called? Uh, Daddy, Daddy like, liked... yeah, yeah, yeah. She says Daddy liked uh, whiskey in his tea, uh, so he was he was a little edgy. So it's almost as if um, she sees Jay She sees her husband Jay Z and mm-hmm. her father, and vice versa. So it's almost as if her dad did this. Her dad. Although her dad was also, uh, you know, cheating on on his wife, he, you know, launched their career. He was always a supportive dad. He he's always been there, you know. Um, ultimately, Beyonce's mom did not forgive her father, and they broke up. But in Beyonce's eyes, she's almost looking at it like, yeah, my dad fucked up, but he was a fucking great man. Mm. So it's almost as if she's she's pulling from that book pages from that book if you will you know yes jay-z fucked up and had an affair with someone but you know what what if what if we tried to make this work and how and think about also how how strong-willed you have to be in order to do that so yeah that's a, that's a great point of view uh for you to point out which rolls into one of my main points so yeah what do you guys think of the influence our parents have on us and 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 also how that affects you know what 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 how we move in the future
2: yeah i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna root for the parents to stay together and that's obviously because my parents are still together and they've met when they were 18 and that was in the 80s and they're still together so like you know even if i'd never heard of beyonce this is my first time listening to this album like as i'd be going through it i would be thinking like come on like you can do this like stick with it and that's just flowing from the fact that like my parents are still together so like i'm always rooting for like yo figure a way out and like try to make it happen um but man like what if you just grew up with an environment that like didn't do that that like you were just with parents that like eventually just split like you might bring that into your next relationship and when you see a similar picture to the one that you were raised with you might be like oh i know what to do here i just split because that's like what I was raised with and that's what I saw. So I I think it definitely can influence you. I don't think it determines what you do because obviously like she stayed with, you know? So like she recognized that and was like, nah, like I'm not gonna just fall victim to this. I'm gonna move forward and make it work and be strong-willed. So I I think it absolutely has an influence here. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of with you Libby. From From like a sonic perspective and like an instrumentation perspective, Daddy Lessons was probably one of my least favorite. I just don't like the guitar stuff. I felt like it was something like Little Nas X would rap over. I felt very <laughs> country hip hop type of thing. But I think emotionally, thematically, it was crucial to put that song in there. Because it, it, it really like, it gave that foundation of like, Okay, where is this album going to go theme-wise going forward? So, like, I think that's a very interesting point for us to think about in future albums that we listen to. Like, what's that track in this album that really, like, sets the tone for the second half of it and where it goes? Uh, and I feel like Daddy Lessons is that for this album.
1: 100% man. It's like, it's like it was like a pivot point, right? Because you come out of the shoot, it's kind of quiet, soft opening, kind of bubbly no way this can't be happening to me then she gets fucking pissed and then it's you know basically fucking gloves off and then it pivots to this song which it just kind of really stuck out it was like an outlier in sound you know sonically um but yeah it was kind of like well why is she bringing this up and it just it it was just like a bridge moment for the yes to the rest of the album to the second half I think message wise man like i said this album to me was beautifully told it was a beautifully told story theme um bridge of emotions um i just sometimes i I think i just thought on that song in particular i just and towards the end i think formation maybe i'll go back and listen to it for like the third or fourth time but i've definitely listened to it more than that it's just it, just for whatever reason that song just never really resonated with me um i don't know yeah, we gotta and, be careful and, with Devin and i saying. had that conversation too i'm like i don't know the song just, just like sticks up kind of funny right and um yeah i don't know you know what was really shocking to me too it's like how vulgar she can get how sexual she can get i just never i don't know why i never just never penned her as like a sex icon I mean, she's oh, gorgeous. Shit. But like not like one that was like, you know, Nicki Minaj, like Nicki Minaj is a okay. completely different level of sex pornographic. <laughs> yeah, pornographic. Um, but like Beyoncé, so it was like, oh, made my made my junk tingle when um she would just like you know, it's dude sex is like an important part of relationships and she dude I had so much respect for her to come right out and just start, you know, Talking about the things that she's going through, but like also just throw like when you sprinkle sex in there, sex sells. It just grabs ears, and I was like, "Whoa, like, yeah." So that's much more
0: from. that's much more in display on the film. I, th- I think you and uh, your wife should watch the movie. Do
1: you think I'll get lucky if I watch the movie?
0: Shit, you might you might have to pause it midway through. You know what I'm <laughs> saying?
1: It's only a sixty minute film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, yeah. I, don't, I don't operate positive that times. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, but uh yeah, th- I that I thought it was pretty interesting that that was one of my main takeaways of Beyonce almost accepting Jay-Z in a sense because of her having a deeper understanding of of I don't want to call it man's flaw, but realistically speaking, dude, every man is is, you know, we're we're naturally put on this earth to procreate. You know, our yeah our mind in many ways is wired and programmed to think and be attracted to things and people, whether it's man or woman that we're attracted to. Right. And it takes a strong man not to give into that. So I think perhaps uh, Beyonce acknowledges that. Um, yeah. Some, some high points for me. Um, you know, I loved a lot about this album. Uh, I, I, I love I love how the album starts very heavy on emotion
2: with uh, um, "Pray You
0: Catch Me," um, you know off the bat you can hear and sense the vulnerability in her, um, and I love I love some of the lyrics like uh, "Pray to catch you whispering." It's almost like you hear hearing your husband on the other on the in the other room whispering, so I'm praying to catch you and I almost like understand what you're saying.
1: Uh,
0: um, You know, it was was like, it's like the chorus is like very simple, but like on point. Um, I loved a lot of these songs, man. Hold Up is dope as fuck. Uh, Don't Hurt Yourself is absolutely my favorite song on the album. The aggression, the anger behind that song. I love everything. Baby, who the fuck do you think? Yo. That shit is phenomenal, yo. yo. Every time. Yeah, yo. that, That shit is literally spine tingling, man. Um. Yeah, I, there's a couple of songs that I could have done without on this album, though. I, I, I didn't really, f- like, love Drought. And I didn't love Six Inch, either.
1: Oh, I love Six Inch. Um,
0: oh, and actually, let me just point this out. If I'm not mistaken, the eight, mo- the main 808 bass that's used on this song, and I'm wondering <laughs> if you caught this, Benjamin. is the same 808 kick in bass that's on Hell a Life by Kanye on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. What, <laughs> on Six Inch? correct Mm. Um, but yeah I didn't I didn't love six inch there are parts there I love the bridge at the end of six inch I love some of the transitional there are there's some dope like four four eight bar transitional quick parts where they completely switch up the song on six inch that I that I thought were cool but yeah six inch and love drought I could have I could have done without Uh, that's me personally every other song I, I, I thought was fucking dope as hell um Another another tidbit I just want to throw out there is that you can hear the huge, and I I think we often draw parallels between Kendrick Lamar and Andre 3000. Mm. But you can hear, damn, there's an alarm next door going off.
2: Oh, can you, can you guys hear that? 100. percent Yeah, I, um, I think Tony tried to break into your house. No,
0: that's a smoke alarm, Uh-oh. smoke detector. Hopefully they take care of that. But anyway, um. You can hear uh, Andre 3000's influence on Kendrick Lamar heavily on his on his verse, on um, <laughs> on freedom, um, which I I love catching shit like that. Yeah. So yeah, let, let's let's start uh, getting into final thoughts, man.
2: This this beeping is gonna drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Should we pause? Should we pause for a minute?
2: Yeah, let's pause for a minute. I'll I'll snip this part out. Let's handle that. Yeah, well, that's not coming from me. Actually, yeah,
0: if we are positive,
2: I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Yo, if he fucked me good, I'd take his ass to Red Lobster. That didn't, like, just do everything to you possible in an emotional spectrum. All right, no, I did like that part. And actually, <laughs> I, I, I really thought that that was
1: hot. That was like, oh, again, going back to, like, when she dropped shit like that, I was like, whoa. <laughs> My balls yeah. tangle.
2: She has a she has a line and hold up where she's like, "I always give that top tier five star backseat loving in the car." Like make that wood, like make that wood. Yeah, no. Devin, Devin like, gyrates to that. I'm hot, like, man. I just think it's so funny. She is that wood now. Make that wood,
1: <laughs> dude. It's just crazy. I don't know. I just for whatever reason
2: just never thought that she was like that or talk like that. You know. Yeah, Yo, but the, but the thing is like that's what in a big picture sense of her discography makes this album so interesting is that she really wasn't like that. Like she was kind of like cute and romantic and like lovey-dovey and like the early Destiny's Child, even in her first couple albums. But I feel like this album kind of like, I guess encouraged her to just not give a fuck more so than any other Beyonce moment in her discography. So like, this is very much in line with how I think she was feeling, man. Like, and that's why I think Formation is such an important song on here because <clears throat> there, there's a bravado and, like, an ownership of not only, like, who she is sexually, but who she is, like, as a creative, who she is, like, financially, who she is, like, as a culture icon. It's, like she, like, that is her, like, cocoon into butterfly moment For me and it's like so heavy and so rhythmic and like she's almost like a general at that point it's like she's went through 12 tracks of going through like heartbreak insecurity like daddy issues like all this stuff and at the end of it she's coming out like mufasa on pride rock like yo let's do this shit oh man like triumphant man like People, like Formation is a song that you play like when you really are feeling yourself. Like Friday, you just got that promotion, like driving home from work, sunny, like windows down, like just feeling all the feels about yourself and how dope you are, um, which I think is an interesting way to end an album about your husband almost ruining your marriage. Yeah, no, I agree. Yo, Formation is definitely one of those songs.
0: and this, for, At least for me and maybe for a lot of other people. It's one of those instant feel good songs. you throw in Formation and I'm instantly bopping and jamming. Mm-hmm. But yo, uh real quick, I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this event. Um but well, there was one day one evening it was after like some sort of Met Gala where in a, in uh an elevator, mm. Beyoncé's sister Solange smacked the shit out of Jay-Z several times. Yep. And it's 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 rumored that that was because of Finding out, uh, them finding out around that time that he was cheating on Beyonce. But from that incident, it's uh, there's a theory out there that's pretty cool that they say three dope ass albums came out of that, and that's Lemonade, mm-hmm. uh, J- Jay Z's uh album that came out the following year after Lemonade 444, which is uh, a side of vulnerability of Jay Z that he's never explored in his uh,
2: discography. One of my favorite Jay Z albums, by the way.
0: Phenomenal album, top to bottom. Yeah. And, you know, he gets, he 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 touches on the infidelity and how he grew and what he, what he had to learn uh, to get through that along with his wife. And then Solange's album, A Seat at the Table, which was released around this time frame, I think it released in 2017, where the album is pretty much, you know, the main theme of, and that's a dope-ass album uh, to review in the future, potentially. But the theme of Solange's album was pretty much about, like, I deserve to be here. Listen to me. My voice should be heard as well. Because imagine mm-hmm. being the sister of Beyonce living in that shadow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, these these three dope albums stemmed from that one incident, supposedly, of Solange smacking the shit out of Jay-Z a few times. What whap what You to save. So, yeah. Uh, final thoughts? What did y'all think? I thought this was great. Um...
1: I never listened to a Beyonce album before. Um, I think she's drawn the conclusion that she is a modern day rock star. That's got to be a better name for it. She's she's just a superstar. Very, very talented. Um, It's a great project. I think, like I said earlier, probably the the first time that I really went through an album where I wasn't tied to the music, I was more tied to the story. Um, it's just a great narrative with the music sort of backfilling. I didn't quite pick up on the sub the sub theme that uh, Ben's talking about a few times until I actually went back and like read about it. So um, if that was her goal, which she did talk about it, it was definitely over my head. Um, I'm just talking raw here, right? Like I'm not sugarcoating it. It was just something that I that I missed um, until I went back, read lyrics, and read up on the album and her what you know her direction, what she wanted to be heard in that album beyond what the obvious was. I was just chewing, you know, eating popcorn and just enjoying the show. And um, man, it was a fucking great show. Uh, she's gained my respect, um, just just as like a non listener. Not that I ever like chunder it; just wasn't something that I just like. You know, ran to listen to it. Just never fell into my um, universe really. And um, it's it, it's it's extremely palatable. She's she's amazing, and I think it would be it would be really cool to see if she were to come back to something like this, take the narrative out, but really just play around with the different genres. Cause um, yeah, I mean, in the last fifty minutes we've been talking, when we first brought up the whole thing about her doing a rock album. Um, I'd just like to see what she could do with a few other artists, just you know, who she can collab with, and just kind of take it, and see where she can go. Maybe some jazz infused stuff in there. Um, but yeah, I um, I gotta give this album. It's it's between an eight and a nine, but I'm gonna kind of go towards the um to the eight um i think there were some i I, like i said i think the narrative the story the theme hit it out of the park for me um it was really well produced great hooks on some songs some of the slower songs are fine too but they were just kind of i wouldn't they weren't flat i mean it taken out of context they're definitely just kind of flat um but when you roll it all into one album one story it sits well with me um I feel like I missed completely. Swung and miss on formation. After I've listened to Ben and I'll <laughs> talk about it for the last like each time I bring it up, they come back with something better to say, and it makes me That's feel such like a I, good I song, dude. It makes me feel like I didn't spend enough time on it. It just didn't like didn't hook me in, and um, so I don't really know how much stock anyone's going to put in my score to begin with. But I, it's definitely an eight. or it could be a nine. I'm going to settle with an eight, um, and I might increase that score over time. It's it's one that personally I had a really fun time listening to this past week, especially with uh, as an activity for my for Devin and I. It was like another conversation, one that we just don't have much because right. we don't really listen to the same music. So
2: I'm glad I could provide that for you, Libby. You're welcome. Yeah, man. yeah. So what did what did Dev think of the album? What were some? Did you have a similar like infinite rewind conversation with her?
1: yeah I was like what are your high moments? she's like i really love sorry she she likes like more of the the, the pop upbeat stuff she's not one for the for the um you know piano ballads like mm-hmm. i think sam sam castle's beautiful um but kind of a filler um just wasn't it, it yeah that's that, that's just not her 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 point she likes
0: she likes formation <laughs> um dude you you'll probably never meet a girl ever who doesn't like formation yeah um
1: i mean she she did she was the one actually that pointed it out to me that she she felt like that song didn't did not sit logically with the rest of the album like as far as narrative goes but and i kind of might have swallowed the Kool-Aid on that one too cuz i'm like yeah you know it's just kind of like go through this and all the way at the very end, now you get this like piece here. And I just kind of concluded that it didn't belong. But after listening to Ben's uh, analogy of a butterfly um, breaking out of a cocoon at the end, um, it makes all the sense in the world that why it is there. So I should go back and listen to it a little bit more.
0: Word. I'll admit admit it. it, um, So that you can uh, declare the next album. Word. Uh yeah, yo, Beyonce, she's yo, she's the queen bee for a reason, bro. Queen bee, yo, she is, and, and she stands for excellence, yo. Um, Beyonce is on that level, like I said. So you know, some may call me crazy, but I think she's on Michael Jackson's level, man. I'm not
2: mad. I'm not mad at that at all. No, I agree. I'm actually, mad at that
0: either. You know, she she's an extreme perfectionist. She's, I just want to throw it out there, she's a Virgo as well. You know, you being a Virgo, I appreciate Virgos. Um, as well as Michael Jackson, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so yeah, there's really not much... That. Astrology life. A little bit, a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I don't live and die by it. Gotcha. <laughs> so... <clears throat> There's not many things I disliked about this album. Uh, I think I mentioned my least favorite songs on the album were Love Drought and uh 6 inch. I, I don't know, man. I just wasn't really too convinced. I felt like uh 6 inch at times was a little lackadaisical. It was it was missing some something to like lure me, you know? It just didn't feel it felt a little incomplete to me. Um but yeah, there's not many things I dislike about this album aside from those two albums. Um, I, think, I think it's cool, even though in, in, in the rap world, if you don't write your own lyrics, then you, know, you can't be regarded as a great MC. But I, I think it's dope how in the R&B realm, you can have 20, 30 writers. You know, I, almost, I see it almost like a, like, a, like a movie set where you have your director, your producer, your light crew, your makeup artist. You, you know, everybody plays their own role. So I love when a bunch of people, a bunch of producers and writers can come together and, you know, paint a mural based on what Beyonce directs them to do, which is what Lemonade is. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of with Libby, kind of stuck between eight and nine. Uh, I guess thinking logically, because I don't like two of the songs, I'm going to say two points deducted. So I'm going to stick with an eight, but definitely a fantastic body of work, man. I commend you, Queen
2: B. Yeah. Um, I think the idea of even mentioning another artist in the same sentence as Michael Jackson automatically must catapult the album to an eight-plus range. And what I really appreciate the most about what Beyoncé did here is her ability to weave different themes, different instrumentation style, different deliveries. Like sometimes she's singing very softly. Sometimes she's screaming at you. Sometimes she's like rapping at the same time. So like she's multifaceted in her approach. And the whole idea of like shunning Beyonce because she doesn't write her own lyrics. I'm glad that I've evolved past that. Cause some of my favorite artists have made them their best albums that maybe they didn't write the words to it, but they were able to perform. And what I think Beyonce did on here is not only perform, like she lived these words deeply. And you can you can feel that. It doesn't feel fabricated. Like I'm not sure anyone would even try to cover some of these songs as their own. It would not be the same. And you'd be doing a disservice to yourself and most likely to Beyonce. But the whole idea of like, yo, taking your life and good and bad and making something useful out of it to me I've vibes with me so deeply I know y'all have heard me say this so many times like I think the best art comes from sadness and from like pain and destruction and that is kind of what lemonade is all about it's like taking this horrible thing that's happened to her and having it be the thing that catapults her more and higher to different levels of stardom different levels of like creative greatness um, so I, I really appreciated what Beyonce did on Lemonade here. I think low points for me were like the Sandcastles to Freedom range of it. I love Kendrick Lamar and I love Beyonce, but something about Freedom to me didn't really hit. Um, I think it's maybe the production of it, but like Sandcastles to Freedom to me were kind of like low points. In the album, you have that James Blake track on that's like a minute and 20 seconds, which we haven't talked about at all because it's a minute and 20 seconds. Uh, But besides those three songs, I love every other song on this album. So overall, I feel like Beyonce did a great job of taking lemons and turning them into lemonade. Uh, I'm going to sit at a eight, strong eight for this. I'm leaning towards a nine, but I'm going to sit at an eight because I feel like those three songs were kind of negatives in that sense. Uh but yo, a great project. Phenomenal. Would definitely recommend this to anyone that is like, yo, never heard of Beyonce. Oh, really? Yo, check okay, something out. You'll enjoy it. thanks So strong eight for me. Um all right. Yo, I gotta
0: say, b- before you reveal that, I'm kinda surprised, yo, know, because a couple of times that I listened to uh Sandcastle, I could kind of hear you play it on the piano and then I could also hear you playing in uh Excuse me, singing it in your tone. I thought that 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 would be a song that you would like.
2: Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Love Drought is my favorite song on the album. And I was actually singing it last night when I was playing with Libby. Um, At least some of the lyrics of it. Um, That song is like right in my alley, vocally. Wow, interesting. It's interesting that you didn't like it. But that's what makes this pot of gumbo so interesting and delicious. Um, All right, y'all. Yo, I'm definitely going to echo Raul's sentiments from last week in terms of picking an album from the 2000s. Yo, there were so many, like, mental and emotional obstacles for me in picking this. Because <laughs> 20 years of female music to me is very R&B based. And I'm like, yo, we just did Beyonce. I don't want to pick another, like, beyonce is character. And we did Emmy Winehouse. So I don't want to pick, like, I don't know. Adele or Christina Aguilera, I wanted to pick something a little different from the last 2000s. And if you look at any list of like, yo, best female albums of all time, yo, most of them are from like, 67 to like, 85. It's like Fleetwood Mac, Joni Mitchell, Janis Joplin, Carole King, like, supposedly like women only wrote good music in in like the 60s and the 70s that isn't Arnold. So this was definitely a difficult one for me to pick, but I am going to push us into a bit of a different arena, Um, a different language arena, a different continent arena um, and a different genre completely. So I would say Amy Winehouse and Beyonce were definitely like, I guess, more like groovy, higher energy. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to slow it like way down. Um, We are going to be listening to an album from a Mexican folk artist that I've talked to y'all about in the past. Her name is Natalia La Forcade. Um, I've listened to a few of her albums, uh, but this is one of the albums that kind of like broke her out of like, you know, she's just like playing in like local spots to her kind of becoming more of an international uh, recognized name. Uh, It's called Hasta la Raiz. Um, It came out in March of 2015, Um, it is a definitely like a Latin American pop album. Um, It's in Spanish Libby. So this would be a great time for you to work on your Spanish throughout this week. Um, And we're going to be checking out Natalia La Forcade this week for our last week of female albums from the last two decades. Yo, sorry, what's the name of the album one more time? Hasta La Raiz. Gotcha. Natalia La Forcade. Gotcha.
0: Oh, geez, there's a track-by-track commentary on Spotify. Groovy. There's a what? What'd you say? There's a what on Spotify? There's a track-by-track commentary on Spotify (laughs) for this album.
2: Yeah, I mean... Don't listen to that, unless you're, unless you're really interested in it. But Where let's get it. Looks good 17 songs, an hour, 13 minutes. There's a bunch of short songs on there. It shouldn't be. The one I was looking at was 52 minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll send y'all the one that I'm looking at, to make sure we all listen the same oh, one. Oh, wait a minute. There is a special. Oh, OK. I was looking at the special edition. Nah, listen to that. All uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Send the link. Send the link. Send the link. You know what I'm saying? All right. Close this out, Playboy. All right, y'all. Uh,
0: this was episode 28 of uh, Infinite Rewind. Uh, thank you for joining us. The listeners out there, we appreciate Yo, what you. happened to Kevin? He's... The motherfucker was like... He, tonight he has like a flight coming back from Belize or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Perfect. I'm not even mad. <laughs> yeah, in typical Kevin fashion. Yeah. I'm coming from Transylvania. <laughs> a yeah, yeah.
0: Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, episode 28... Beyonce Lemonade, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. YFC, my homie Libby, my homie Benjamin, I am Algo. Peace and love.
2: Peace and love.